welcome in lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. Super excited for the interview today. It's with Brighton Girls head coach, Melissa Nash. She made it very clear to me that uh, we don't call her Melissa Nash. We call her just Nash, uh, which is an, an awesome nickname. We talk about her background growing up. We both went to Highland together. So uh, I really love this uh, interview. I hope you, hope you enjoy it. We also, uh, in the newsletter, talk about uh, different fields that have been updated. Lone Peak got a brand new field which is exciting. Uh, talk about Wasatch LC heading to Maryland last weekend and also a few parting thoughts. My, my last thought would be make sure you think a veteran this week. Uh, lacrosse in the military is, has a special bond. So take some time to, to thank the local veteran in your life. If you don't know one, uh, get online, do some research, try to find one. Here's, uh, here's my interview with Coach Nash. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? Good. How are you, Tim? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm really excited for this podcast for a couple of reasons. First, um, you're you're the first uh, woman that we've had on on the show, which I'm super stoked about. I know that it, sometimes the women's side doesn't get uh, the love that the men's side does. So, you know, I, I try to do my best. And sometimes it's harder uh, than others, uh, mainly because I don't know a ton of women's coaches, but but you're the first one. So welcome. Hey, I'm, I'm honored to be the first I hope there's more in the future, but this is going to be great. I love what you're doing to the little cross world. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I will say for the listeners, I do have sort of an inside track. Uh, Coach Nash and I both went to Highland. And so we, we sort of just have that uh, bond there. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, go Rams. <laughs> some schools have it, some don't. And, and Highland is, I feel is definitely one of those schools that does. Uh, yeah. Along those lines, Coach, just tell me about your background. Where, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get into lacrosse? Okay. So, uh, like you said, I went to Highland High School just in Salt Lake. And I grew up just playing all sports, basketball, soccer. I was a horseback rider for a long time. Um, and then in high school, a bunch of my soccer friends started playing lacrosse. And I was much better at lacrosse than I was soccer. So I stuck with that. At the time, Highland didn't have a team. So we were the Oli High. We were combined with Olympus. And I just stuck with lacrosse. And eventually uh, my high school coach at the time was like, you should stay with this. And he had me try out for some club teams and some national teams. And it all just went downhill from there. I've loved it ever since. And my parents have been obsessed with it ever since. And it's, I mean, we're all biased, I think, but lacrosse is the best sport. <laughs> Definitely. I, I share a similar path. I, I was sitting uh, on a bench at lunch one day, ninth grade. Um, Walker Bateman um, came up to one of my friends and, and said, hey, Paul, are you, are you playing lacrosse this season? And he said, yeah. And they both looked at me and said, Tim, you want to play? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. <laughs> right. And, and so, uh, yeah. yeah. Funny how that started because, I mean, one, I love Walker Bateman. We worked together at Face Off Wax for a long time. Um, but yeah, same thing. I was like, okay, I'll join lacrosse. And then I was like, mom, you need to buy me goggles and a stick and all this stuff. And my mom was like, oh crap, like another hobby for you. <laughs> what are we doing? So I actually had to pay for all my first year stuff. And I, I mean, that's a good thing for a kid to have to do. And then I fell in love and then my parents fell in love. And I mean, how much money have we spent since, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I remember you might get a kick out of this. Uh, I think I'm a little older than you, but but uh, the 
going to at the time the only place to get it uh like a store was the old soccer international in the basement of Conwin mall mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't know that might ring a bell for a lot of people but like you walked in there and it was it was that like weird little basement thing and then you walk down the stairs and it was a soccer store but then yeah. they had um you know like a, a small wall of lacrosse sticks and so you know i i wanted to play defense and there was one d stick it was a the old STX, like super heavy aluminum shaft. Yes. Uh, I still think it was solid aluminum, to be honest with you. I don't think they had figured out a way to hollow it out yet. And and then, you know, the the head was uh, completely solid. There was no no holes in the in the head, you know. And and yeah. that's where you you got your lacrosse stuff. And yeah, it was the same thing. It was, hey dad, I need a you know at that at the time you know a, a two hundred dollar helmet and. $50 gloves, you know, same, yeah. it's the same thing today, but yeah, super, yeah. <laughs> super fun. Um, you went, uh, you went on to play uh, collegiately as well, right? Yes. So then I went to BYU um, and joined their club team there, which was honestly one of the best experiences of my whole life. I still am pretty good friends with all my teammates and it was so fun to play on that team because it was still pretty I felt like it was serious and we took it seriously and all the girls were so fun and traveling together and we were pretty good like we won a lot of games we were ranked top 10 in the nation and it was fun I loved it yeah and and then uh, after college you know what what kind of path did you take yeah so after college I graduated from BYU um, with a degree in public health And then I started coaching for Skyline in 2013. And that was when Skyline had an incredible team and like 18 seniors. And we won the division one state championship against Park City that year, um, which I still remember so vividly. It was an amazing game and we played so well. And as it's different winning games like that as a coach than a player. Um, I just loved it. And then I coached, I only coached at Skyline for one year. I had to take a little bit of a break from coaching to be a real adult and have a real job. Um, and then I came back to coaching just in 2015, I believe. And that's when I got involved with Brighton. I started with Brighton, um, as a juniors coach and then I moved my way up and I was JV head coach. And then I've been varsity head coach for the last four years. And, and you currently teach at Brighton as well. Is that right? Yeah. So with sanctioning, I feel like I got the best deal. Um, so like I said, I graduated in a de- with a degree in public health, which gives me all my health education classes except for a few. So the principals from Brighton called me and said, you know, we know we've been coaching there for a while. We'd love to have you as a health teacher. And um, so got on there, been teaching health for two years now. And I'm also the student body officer advisor. And so I've been in the Brighton community for a long time and I love it. I love coaching. I often say that coaching is better than playing. Um, I just love it. It's so fun to see the light in the girl's eyes when they learn something new or when they fall in love with the sport and to see how lacrosse has impacted my life so much and to be able to pass that on to other girls is really cool. And, and I want to, I want to go back to just real quick when you were coaching at Skyline. Um, yeah. That game was at Copper Hills High School, if I recall uh, correctly. Yes. And the, the reason I know that is that um, my wife and I got married on May 18th of uh, 2007. And okay. <laughs> I was coaching at the time at Cottonwood. And I said to her, look, you know, if, if we make the playoffs, I'll have playoffs. And so we need to postpone, you know, we need to set the date oh. out far enough 
that we won't interfere with any of that. And so we felt May 18th was the best date for that. And it, and you know, it didn't interfere with our, our wedding and our season or whatever, but as I was doing Utah lacrosse news, May 18th was always around the time of the championship game. And it always was like a day or two off, but, but that year it was that day. (laughs) And so (laughs) the, the other irony is that we actually lived just down the street from Copper Hills at the time. And oh yeah. And so she came over and we had Marley sliders in the north end zone <laughs> while we watched <laughs> lacrosse championship games. So that's, that's, that's why I remember it. that game uh, so vividly. And, and like you mentioned, that Skyline team was, uh, was dangerous. They had a ton, yeah. of, a ton of good players. Um, it was stacked as can be. And I, yeah. I hope your wife liked that. I mean, that sounds like a great anniversary to me, but <laughs> not, not all girls love lacrosse as much. <laughs> she, she did. It, it was definitely memorable. And uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, awesome. So you're, you're at Brighton now coaching, um, you know, obviously the, the sanctioning adds a whole nother layer. Talk, talk to me. You're, you're also the, the UHSAA coaches rep. Uh, which also makes you the U.S. lacrosse representative for, on the girls' side for, like, the end-of-season awards and stuff. How how did you get that? You know, what are some of the things that you do in that role and, and sort of talk us through that that position? Yeah. So the UHSAA coaches rep position is basically the liaison between the high school coaches and UHSAA, and then I'm also the liaison between Utah girls lacrosse and U.S. lacrosse. So – it's a really cool position. Um, John Oglesby from Utah High School Sports Association, whatever that stands for, um, he just called me one day over the summer and said, hey, you've been recommended by some of the other coaches and people involved in lacrosse. And he was like, would you like the position? And I was like, oh, uh, sure, why not? You know, in the summertime, I don't feel as busy, but now I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot. <laughs> right. Um, but it's been really cool because I feel like – I mean, I've been around Utah lacrosse for so long that I know a lot of the coaches. If you look down the list of, I mean, I have a big spreadsheet of who's coaching where and phone numbers and emails and all sorts of things. And I can go down and be like, oh yeah, I played against her in high school. We played together at BYU. This girl and I have been coaching against each other for three years. It's just really fun to see the girls lacrosse community and to see how it's grown and to see, like, I just feel like I know so many people. And so it's been fun to be president and email people back and forth and be like, Hey, remember that game that you like killed us or one of the refs broke my collarbone in high school. So, I mean, I always tease her about that. So it's been a fun position. And I I get a lot of emails that I'm like, I don't really know the answer, but I'm going to find out and get back to you. So it's also been helpful to learn, you know, the moratorium dates and the blackout dates which is all new is sanctioning, which has kind of been the tricky part of sanctioning, but we're learning it as we go. Definitely. You know, and, and uh, I think, I think those of us in the lacrosse community have, have always said, you know, when, if uh, sanctioning comes, obviously it's here now, but we we're going to definitely experience some growing pains. And, and I think, I think we're seeing that. Right. And uh, yeah. I, I think the only way to get through that is to just put, you know, your next foot forward and, and just keep doing the work. And then eventually it'll all start to, sort of click and then we'll expand and, and grow even more. What, what are some of the other challenges that you see uh, in that role? Yeah. Um, in my role as rep or as just sanctioning in general? Either, yeah. Either one. Good point. Okay. Um, I think one of the hardest things for sanctioning for me is uh, the boundary rules. I think a lot of teams have had difficulties with this. I know last year I had a couple girls who went to Hillcrest or went to charter schools um, around Brighton area, but didn't necessarily live in Brighton area. 
And unfortunately, they just can't play anymore. We tried to find all the different rules to like have them move to Brighton for a little bit or because their school doesn't have a team. Um, but that's been pretty sad for me to say, like, here are these girls that I've been coaching for three or four years and now they just can't play. And I think that's the hardest part of sanctioning for me. And I get why the rules have to be and I totally respect and support them. It's just a hard you know, it's one of those hard facts of life that's like it has to start somewhere and the rules have to start taking full effect. So um, that's that's been a hard part. I think as I've talked to other coaches as the coaches rep, I've gotten tons of emails that's like, I'm drowning. Like I have so much more work now than before sanctioning. Before sanctioning, parents were much more involved and would order uniforms and stuff like that. Now with sanctioning, it's kind of all on the coach to do the fundraisers and the ordering the swag and ordering the uniforms and equipment and all that stuff, which does put a lot more on the coach's plate. Um, but just like you said, I feel like last year has already been so different to this year. So I think we're learning as we go and learning, you know, the paperwork that needs to be done and it's hopefully becoming more smooth for everybody involved, principals included. I'm sure there's a learning curve with principals as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Lacrosse this is such an interesting sport and there's so much, it's not like soccer where you need, a goal and a ball you there's so many other things that you need sure and I, I was talking to a parent over the weekend I, I think that um from what I've seen there's schools there's principals ADs that that have really embraced lacrosse and then there's some who are just you know kind of doing the bare minimum and I think it's up to us as the lacrosse community to show them you know hey this is uh, a great sport and we feel that you know it should be a, a a top priority at the school and and here's the reasons why you know and so exactly. i think i think as soon as as we can do that you know we don't obviously do it forcefully or, or in a bad way but as we as the you know as we can do that i think that the ad's and principals will become um more sort of open or or accepting or or helpful yeah. <laughs> to to our exactly. team exactly i feel so lucky because the brighton principals and AD are so supportive of lacrosse. Like they are on board and they will do, you know, whatever I ask really. And they're just, there's huge Brighton supporters. And I think it helps that Brighton has had such a big success, um, just a successful program for girls and boys in the last 10 or so years. So I think that definitely helps, but I agree. I think once ADs see the light and see the lacrosse, how amazing it is, I think everything will go smooth. Definitely. Um, switching gears a little bit where where do you see girls lacrosse in the next you know five ten years uh, specifically you know to in utah but also just like with with the different rules you know you talk to someone who haven't seen girls lacrosse or maybe seen it a little bit and you know that's always the first thing they bring up what are, what are all these rules you know <laughs> why are there all these whistles you know and, and then the, the thing that i'm curious about is is the helmets right you know because you have some states that have mandated it like florida and then, you know, I've, I've heard other states that want nothing to do with it, you know. And so where, where do you kind of yeah. see that all falling? It's really interesting because this has been a debate for a long time. Like, I remember as a player talking about helmets and I was, I was like, I don't want to wear a helmet. Like, then I, you know, girls are worried about what they look like and helmet head or whatever. And sure. um, it's interesting that it's becoming more and more real as the years go on. I mean, I think you look at every high school team and there's a couple that wear helmets, a couple players on each team that wear helmets. Um, Jackson Hole, my club team just played Jackson Hole and all of their players wear helmets. And I think that's a team rule for them. Um, but, and then, like you said, Florida, it's required in Florida. Um, from my standpoint, I am not 
a huge helmet supporter because I think what I've seen is that it makes people think that they can play more dangerously. So I think it increases checks to the head and some of those dangerous things that they were trying to prevent. It almost makes girls feel invincible um, because like, I have a helmet on, I can like run through 10 sticks when in reality, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Like, you know, obviously. Um, so it will be interesting to see where the helmets go. I, I do support them for my players who have concussions. I have seen the level of concussions go up since in, in the last couple of years. I never had a concussion as a player, but every year I get a couple of players who get a really, really good concussion. And they're hard to treat, they're hard to manage, and they're really hard as a student because it takes you out of homework and out of the ability to look at a screen and all that stuff, which with COVID, we're looking at screens a lot more now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I stand on helmets. I definitely see them becoming more and more, um, just more apparent in the lacrosse world. And again, I don't tell my players not to wear them. I let them have a personal choice there. It will be interesting to see how it affects hearing. I feel like a lot of girls can't hear as well with helmets on and that can impact just the level of play. So yeah, that's what I think about helmets. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. What, what about like other rules, rule changes, you know, or, or is there anything you'd want to see, um, you know, on, on the boys side lately, it's been all about shot clocks or face-offs or the dive, you know, or stuff like that. Any, yeah. any rules that like, if you had the, the ability, the power to change, what, what would you change? That's a really good question. Um, I honestly love the direction that girls across is going. The free movement rule that's mm -hmm. been applied lately is amazing. It's been, it just speeds up the game and makes it less confusing, I think. It also um, lends some more strategy to be able to run back on defense and not stop where you are. Um, makes teams really have to work for those goals. So I think free movement is the best thing that's happened to lacrosse in a long time. One thing I miss a ton is the out of bounds rule. When I played in high school, there was no out of bounds. So you, I remember like sprinting as fast as I could, like around parents and through trees to just be the first. And then the, the ref would blow the whistle and be like, well, you were fur furthest to the ball, so you get it. Uh, I would love to see that come back. I think that added a different dynamic because no sport, like basketball, soccer, every sport, the, if you kick the ball out of bounds, it's the other team's ball. And I loved that rule because I felt like, oh, like because I'm fast, I can get so many balls like back to our team. So I would love to see that. Um, sure. As far as shot clock goes, I know that's a big conversation um, in like college lacrosse. Um, I, I don't necessarily love that idea for high school because I think it's kind of fun to see the girls work it around and be like, well, this defense is really good, so we've got to be more creative. So I think it would take away some of those opportunities, but it's an, definitely an interesting conversation for sure. Sure. Uh, you, you talked about how, you, how you're coaching club lacrosse. How, for those who, who don't know, um, you know, what is the, club, the, the, the girls club lacrosse scene like in Utah? Yeah, it's growing a lot. It's interesting. It's changed in the past little bit. Um, I coach for Utah Elevate, which is a team um, mainly on the east side. We have Olympus girls, Skyline girls, and Brighton girls mainly. And then, of course, a few Rams, who I try not to give favoritism to. <laughs> Go Rams. Um, <laughs> but uh, everyone probably knows Mamachi was the biggest club team in Utah. And a couple years ago, they... Um, no longer exists. They turned over to Tenacity. 
and that has caused some ripples in the lacrosse world. Uh, but it's there's there's club teams popping up all over, and it seems like almost every high school team has a club team, so girls can continue to play year round. Like West Jordan plays in all the club um, or on all the summer tournaments just as a team themselves, and I think Harriman did that a couple times. Um, so sometimes you're playing like. Sometimes it feels like my Brighton team is playing the West Jordan team or playing the Harriman team or Riverton team, which I don't think is a bad thing. I love watching it grow and seeing parents fall in love with it and the girls just wanting more and more. And all the time, my players are like, when's our next tournament? When are we going out of state? Like, what's next? I just want to keep playing more and more. And I mean, I wish club lacrosse when I played wasn't a huge thing. Uh, there was like the Utah national team and you went to Vail and Pennsylvania or whatever, wherever each year. And then that was pretty much it. But now there's so many local Utah tournaments. And I mean, you kind of end up playing the same teams each weekend. Um, but it's still so fun. The more playing, the better, I think. Sure. Um, last question. What's, uh, what has been your favorite lacrosse memory? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Tim, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, the first one that comes to mind is the state championship with Skyline. Um, we worked so hard and I thought, I mean, that was my first year coaching ever. So I felt like I really dove in and I watched film so much and I made posters for our plays and I was more of a defensive coach that year, which I never really played defense. So that was an interesting role for me, but we had this play called Duke and it was a kind of like a stall play. Like we need to kill time. And towards the end of the game, we called Duke and we ran out like the last minute of time. And then we won. And just the feeling of running out to the field and winning a state championship and having my girls just jump around and be so excited. And then now it's still such a fun memory because I see those players around and I'm like, hey, remember when? And um, I'm coaching with one of them right now on Elevate. And that's a really fun memory. But I have to give another one. Can I say one more? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I started coaching at Brighton, I started coaching the seventh and eighth graders. And so as I moved up coaching with them last year, they were seniors and they got gypped on their senior season. And we were so excited to have their senior season. We had uh, nine seniors and we'd been looking forward to their senior season. I mean, since they were seventh graders and we had big plans, um, but coaching the same girls from seventh grade through 12th grade was such a cool experience. And I feel so close to those girls. And that's another amazing memory that I'll always have just such a bond with those girls and I mean we still talk and we send they're all in college now and I've sent letters to a few of them and we keep up through texts or like a couple of them have come to my house to hang out so that's an awesome connection memory right there definitely you know and and I think that uh in, in talking to lots of coaches and, and coaching myself uh, that opportunity to be with teams for you know and kind of follow them through it, it is unique and it can yeah. definitely uh, build bonds that are that are are that move you know they go beyond the lines essentially and, and exactly and it's something you'll always remember I, I I mentioned it earlier but I I coached at Cottonwood in in 2007 and and I still talk to some of those players who were on that team and um you know we just kind of laugh because we were terrible and it was my fault <laughs> and uh you know and, and so you know, no it's, it's fun to laugh about now but um you know <laughs> it's it's uh that's why we love lacrosse right is uh, yeah. for those for those opportunities and those members in anything else you want to talk about um i feel like i need to give my Bengals a shout out 
I love Highland, obviously, but I'm a true Bengal now. Sure. <laughs> and and you mentioned that uh, in, in talking previously that that they just built a, an indoor facility. Yes, which is going to be amazing. We haven't used it yet, but as it's snowing outside right now, I'm like, man, it's going to be so nice to not be cold and wet, and not have our hands freezing where the girls can't even grip their sticks. So it's going to be a game changer for sure. Definitely. I, I will say there's still something uh, for, for me, it was practicing on the driver's ed course at Highland in, in, the, in the same amount of snow. You know, I, I think that every lacrosse player should experience that at least once in their life. Yes, I agree. Um, for us at, at BYU, we had to shovel tennis courts and we pulled up our cars and turned on the lights on the tennis court and would shovel for an hour. And that was our workout. And then we would play for an hour. Yeah. So, okay. Build character. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And best of luck uh, this season to the Bengals. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Tim.